Hi everyone, hope you're all having a great day and thank you so much for joining us on the Inclusive Viewpoint. Our viewpoint today is with the incredibly inspirational powerhouse that is Khadija Block. Khadija is a human rights activist, entrepreneur, speaker, facilitator, philanthropist and mentor. She's one of those people who you can't help but be inspired by and she has such an ability to empower others to create the change that is so needed by leading by example with her phenomenal work. Hi Khadija, how are you? Hi beautiful ladies, Hi. hello from all the way from Australia, Adelaide. Oh wow, Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're just saying how much like we love Adelaide because I think we're ready to retire so <laughs> we, might, we might be joining you very soon in Adelaide. <laughs> um, we have beautiful wines and a lot of parks and we go to bed at 8pm. Oh no. perfect. <laughs> You've got us so <laughs> Yeah, when we can next get there, we'll be there. So that's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. But before we get started, it'd be great to hear more about you in your own words. Oh, hi, ladies. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I have, I feel like being a feminist, a leader, an activist for most of my life. I think, you know, uh, I was born in Sierra Leone in the west of Africa. The British colonized us. <laughs> Let's just sneak that in there a little bit. Um, and my family came to Australia as refugees in 2001. So I have called Australia home for 19 years. Um, and from a young age, I sort of realized there were differences in our society and the way people were treated, whether it was based on race or gender, sexuality, ability, you know any point of difference, essentially. And that bothered me. So I sort of thought, you know what, I'm going to say something. I'm going to speak up. So I went into activism very early. I just wanted to have my say. So I was a little angry black girl who always had, with all this sass, no, 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 no. We're not doing that today. Not today, sir. No, no not going to happen. Um, very annoying to be around, you know, whether it's questioning my mom around the kitchen table of, you know, why did I have to cook? Why can't the male cousins cook? They have two hands <laughs> as well. Um, why did I need to be quiet? Why is it that when a girl is, you know, intelligent and confident, she's bossy? Oh, it's frowned upon. Sorry, sir, I did not go to get a double degree to sound dumb. It makes no sense to me. Why would I do that? Why would I have education to sound dumb? But also, it's not my place to minimize myself so I can be attractive to a man. Like, I didn't understand all these gender stereotypes and ways that, as a girl, I was treated. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to fight the fight. You know, change comes from all of us, you know. Um, we all have the ability to be change makers in our families, in our communities. And so I, I took on that challenge. So I went on to create different work. Um, and one of the works I'm really proud of is my work to end female genital mutilation, which happens right in the UK as well, where girls are being mutilated or taken overseas for the purpose of, you know, FGM. Um, and all over the world, 200 million women and girls have been cut because they're girls because somebody thought it was necessary for little girls to be subjected to this form of child abuse because women should not own their pleasure, their bodies too. We shouldn't feel good. We shouldn't be empowered. I mean, how horrible is that that we live in a world where girls are treated and women are treated this way? So I went on to create my own organization to fight this fight. And I think I'll be fighting it for the rest of my life, but I believe in it and I believe in a world where everyone should be treated with equality, everyone should have the opportunity to thrive and be their best authentic self every day. And if anything stands in the way of that, we need to smash it into pieces. <laughs> Definitely. 
<laughs> I could not have summed that up better. We need to smash it, definitely. I think that's so true what you said, because um, obviously it's different experience, but Laura and I went to like an all-girls school, um, and it's so weird, like you said, that environment, because it was such an environment of like, it was girls all together, and you know, you thought you could do anything, like there wasn't really any like gender stereotypes. Like you said, when I went to like university, and then I started, you know, obviously, you kind of had that gender mix it's weird how you can see the stereotypes that exist everywhere isn't it so I think that's so true and like you said every girl has the right to grow up and dream so I think that's incredible what you're doing Deidre so thank, thank you so much um so for our first question um I really love reading about on your website where you talk about what your vision is and I know you said that you know you see a world that's free from injustice full of acceptance for every single person so you know regardless of your nationality culture ethnic background um and with the inclusive movement didn't we we really wanted to you know share examples that we can all learn from um you know that's really putting inclusivity at the heart and particularly you know to apply to the fashion industry so I wanted to ask you I guess from your experiences um is there any maybe like fellow activists or brands or charities or you know anyone or anything um that have really shown examples of you know driving inclusivity forward Mm. I have a couple of examples. The other day, I actually was doing some work with uh, the Estee Lauder company, and I was saying to them how, as a little girl, you know, I remember when I wanted to get foundation for the first time. I wanted to make up. I started trying makeup. Um, I went to the drugstore, and I couldn't find anything. Everything was beige, it, like beige, literally. That was the only color range. To this day, in 2020, in Little Old Adelaide, across Australia, to find colors is still a struggle. I couldn't go to the supermarket and just get my color like most of the white girls could. I couldn't go to even the pharmacy and do the same. Um, and even when I went to the, you know, Maya or David Jones, our big, you know, uh, shopping malls, you still couldn't do that. You had to go to Mac. Mac was the only company that will create colors that were inclusive enough for little black Khadija to have a foundation. Isn't that sad? And at Mac, of course, it's not also cheap. So while white girls could get a $15 bottle of foundation, I would have had to pay the $40, $50 to get my Mac. I mean, good for Mac that we have inclusion, but it still cost me a lot more than it would cost somebody who could get a beige color from the supermarket. So I grew up with that, that lack of representation in something as simple as that, or wanting to get Band-Aid that was in my color. It seems like a little thing, but you want Band-Aid, that's your color. My son is five and he wants brown Band-Aid. If he cuts himself, he goes, Mom, I want the brown one. He doesn't want the beige one. He wants the brown one that looks like him. Because those things actually do matter. Representation in fashion, in beauty, actually does matter. So when I found my first, you know, MAC color, you know, it was like, okay, I felt beautiful. I felt great because I found something that worked for my skin tone that wasn't ashy, didn't make me look like I was a ghost from somewhere, <laughs> it actually was my skin tone. So I want to give a shout out to Mac, because Mac, I think over the years have been consistent in being inclusive and diverse before it became a buzzword. Before yeah. inclusion and diversity became a buzzword and a gimmick for people to make money. Mm -hmm. They always believed in inclusion. And even now, as in 2020, we're talking about Fenty. Fenty has done a great work. Rihanna has done a great work. But Mac laid the foundation. We must not forget those who laid the foundation. So for Fenty to walk, Mac had to exist in the first place. For us to be in a world where we now celebrate Fenty and all that it's doing for, for, for diversity from albino 
to the darkest, darkest range. You know, I mean, that's beautiful to have that, that spectrum. But once again, if it's not Mac or Fenty, what other range are there? Yeah. So in Adidas, for example, so I know Maybelline and, and Revlon in their American stores have dark ranges and colors for me. In Australia, Revlon and Maybelline Australia don't stock the dark ranges. I have to order it online. So in Australia, we can get access to the dark ranges of Revlon and Maybelline. They only stock the beige range, even though globally they do have the colors because I can order it from online. I can order them online on eBay or, on the, or from America. They pay huge shipping costs for it to come to Australia for me to get the dark ranges when those companies in Australia could just stock the full range. I can't get hold of it. Oh my so I'm still Mac, Fenty, we're still limited in what we can, we can get. And it shouldn't be. We should have more options like everyone else. We should have the cheap range, the expensive range, based on your budget. We know girls. Everyone has a budget. So it's not fair that we have to pay the huge cost, but we can't have the cheap end if that's what you wanted. We should have accessibility. So things like that annoy me. But I have to say, uh, kudos to Mark, not only in racial inclusive inclusivity, but also in the LGBTIQ plus A allyship. We have seen over the years the different uh, partnerships they have had and their donation and their passion for the a HIV and AIDS cause as well. So you see this and it's quiet. It's not noisy inclusivity. It's not, oh, let's shout it. Oh my God, it's, this is actually our value and we're just living it. So I find that actually quite attractive. Because I think in 2020, we have so many bands, uh, brands jumping on the bandwagon of these titles, yeah. but it's all for the cash and the coins. Not actually a lived value. It's not one that probably wouldn't even be sustainable beyond a year. We will see them go back to their defaults. Mm -hmm. But to see a company that has consistently a brand been in this space, done it. Them. I have to say, I really, really like them. They stand out to me. And of course, kudos to our sister, Rihanna, Ella, Ella. All about that life. I think it was a beautiful launch. It was a beautiful launch. It, it made a huge splash and it, it, it sent a message. Brown girls matter. Black girls matter. All colors, you know, you know, the whole full range of diversity of pigments from albinos who have been left out. I mean, did anybody even cater for that lightness of color to the darkest shade, you know? And the way it was done, not tokenistic, it was sending a message. There was a gap in the market for Fenty, and Fenty filled it in. And with the lingerie, once again, we saw a pregnant woman at, at the um, <laughs> fashion shop. Have you ever seen a pregnant woman in a flash in a lingerie? How gorgeous was that? We saw women with different abilities. You know, how representation is that for the little girl who walks in clutches, for the little girl who may be in a wheelchair, for somebody who has um, different skin conditions, perhaps, to see that diversity. And you can be pregnant and be sexy and want some action as well, for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? Just because you're crying a human doesn't mean you're not all about that extra, you know, extra life. I'm just saying. <laughs> it was great. It was like a celebration of diversity and it wasn't tokenistic. There wasn't one of each kind just for the sake of it. It was just a well-rounded message of women in all shapes and sizes should matter. We should be represented. People of all diversity of ability should be represented. Women of all races. It, it was just a celebration of diversity and how beautiful it is. 
But I think for the rest of us watching, it was to see ourselves represented for the first time, maybe in a way that we haven't felt before. So um, I think, you know, so those two stand out for me. I see other brands, you know, trying, but to be honest with you, I'm not quick yet to jump on the bandwagon of giving them praise and clapping for them until they have earned it. Because I think just putting one line of product out or just putting a few posts on Instagram doesn't really cut it. It has to be lived. It has to be real. It has to be that you genuinely care. And we saw, you know, with Black Lives Matter, we quickly saw those who put the timeout Tuesday, you know, the blackout. The next day they went back to posting beige people. The next day they went back to their default. The next day they were back for the, the, the cash. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's too quick to give, you know, kudos. But I think we should be mindful that we wait for people to earn that, to earn that from us. Because we actually matter. This is not just about money. It's actually about community and representation and valuing diversity in all its form and shape. Because we have little ones who are coming up and they deserve to see themselves. And this is not just the mama in me. Yes, I want my son to see himself represented. Maybe he wants to have makeup. Do we have makeup for boys? It's normal. If you have pimple, you want to cover it up. You know, a, a quick concealer, you know? It, it's not even gendered anymore, beauty and fashion. It, it's fluid, and we want to see that. We want our kids to be able to see themselves, you know? My son will see somebody on TV or a magazine, go, and if they have kinky hair and they're brown, he goes, mommy, they look like me. They look like me. And if you see somebody who is, looks similar to me, mommy, that woman looks like you. Is she my mommy too? No, she's not your mommy. She's not your mommy. I'm your mommy, but that's, that's fine. But even at five, he is aware of, his, of what, who represents him and who, what his identity is. So I want that for him to feel represented and to feel celebrated, not just represented, but represented in a positive light that says you matter and you're important. So yeah. that's my little view on that. <laughs> that's a brilliant example. Thank you, Because I think it's so important because I feel like for me growing up, fashion, like you said, and beauty, like it was very much, you know, women looked a certain way and like were celebrated, you know, a certain look. I feel like you said, like now it's about consistency. Like you can't help but think, why weren't you doing this 10 years ago? Like there's no reason why. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's easier singing. Well, it's not the easiest, but it's a lot easier to do when everybody else is praising you for it, but to seek out when, you know, it's not the trendy thing. Like you mm -hmm. said, like Mac were doing and, you know, other people have done. I think we need to get to that point where it's just you. It's not, you know, a token. It's it's just consistent. So I think that's a really, really good point. And also just thinking as well, because we read the other day, didn't we, mm -hmm. about, you know, people who have a disability, they've got like an extra cost of, was it £500 a, mm -hmm. a month? you know because like of the pay gap and all the extra stuff they have to buy so just thinking then when you talked about you know um non-white skin if they're like yeah. that or have those extra costs that's again contributing to like economic inequality and all that and you just think how can that exist in 2020 so yeah do but it does it's discrimination it is discrimination we yeah. feel full of curvier women pay more yeah. and they, they're and never trendy they're giving a different version. Every season we go, oh, what's in style? But if you look at the curvier options, yeah. you're like, but why are we not getting the same style? Yeah. You, you, we don't want to dress frumpy. We don't want to dress like grandmas. Why is the materials not good enough? They get charged extra. Just like your razor blade at the supermarket, if you buy the male version, it's cheaper. If you buy the pink one, it's more expensive. Do you know that? Have you ever compared the price? Deodorant. Male deodorant, better, stronger, cheaper. Female deodorant, 
not as strong, more expensive. The pink tax, it's called the pink tax. I have stopped buying the pink. I buy the male version of t-shirts, I buy the male version of deodorant and get of it because we're being tasked. Tax. That's gender discrimination. Yeah, because we had that over here, didn't we? We had that, you know, um, with period pads, like with the having to pay for those. Like, why aren't they free? I don't know if we had that in Australia. We had the, you know, the free periods campaign. It's so true. Yeah. Why should we have to pay for these essentials and pay more? So I think that's an action we can all do. Don't buy, don't buy pink. Go for that one and drive, drive it. So no, that's brilliant, Khadija. Thank you so so much. Um, so the next question, so we wanted to like dig a bit more into the incredible work that you are doing because I know you said as well, I think this is my, like my favourite quote I've ever read because I know you said a lot of your work was that you want every little girl to have the right to become the woman she wants to be and I just thought that beautifully sums up you know what we all should be doing and um, so it'd be great to hear more from you about what you have been doing, currently doing or any plans that you've got that's you know really driving inclusivity forward. <laughs> um, I think for me, inclusivity, diversity as such a, um, a lived experience. I mean, I am, <laughs> I, have, I am inclusive in that I have multiple identities. I'm a black person. I am a woman. I am a mom. So I have all these intricate identities. So then the way I go through the world is requiring diversity and inclusion for me to feel safe, for me to feel included and represented. So in my line of work, I have also then thought, how do I bring that in to what I do? So the first thing I did a couple of years ago was start my cross-cultural consultancy. So mama was like, let's get us that coins and be boss, babe. Um, <laughs> and I thought, because, you know, working for somebody is one thing. Working for yourself is a completely boss move, okay? It is harder than it looks, all right? Nine to five, respect for that. Your entrepreneurship, it's 24 hours a day. It's no time out. It's no break. But... It means that I can do work that is aligned with my values. And I'm very values-based. So inclusion and diversity for me and representation are a value I have. So I created a consultancy that literally trains organizations and businesses in how to engage with diversity, whether it's gender, whether it's racial diversity, but inclusion to our projects, our work, the way we engage with different diverse communities, accessibility for, you know, if you're having an organization, you have an event, do you think of somebody in a wheelchair? Do you think of your writing? Is it in simple English so everyone can read and understand it? Do you have interpreters available, whether it's for the deaf community or people who English it's a second language. Is your language gendered? Is it the default is male rather than gender fluidity? We know people with gender is so diverse and as it should be. Um, it's looking at that. That is literally my line of work from a business perspective. How do I work with organizations and businesses and a whole range of cohort of our community around cultural diversity, gender diversity, and inclusion. So it becomes embedded in every area of our lives. It's not a separate box. It's not once a year we celebrate it. It's not when the cameras are on, but every single day as we go about our work, we are inclusive and, 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 and celebratory and, and, and respectful of the diversity of the community around us. So that's my business. And, and I'm proud of it. But of course, what makes my heart sing and what gets mama going every day, it's my non-for-profit work. And like I said before, my passion is around gender equality, but particularly how we end violence against women and girls, whether that is domestic and family violence, where I work in that space in ensuring that women of color, for example, who go through racism and sexism, 
um, and when they go to domestic and family violence, for example, here in Australia, they face many challenges from their community who may ostracize them and, and, and not support them in, in their fight. They are in Australia by themselves without family and support, women on visas, for example, who are threatened to be sent back home to places where they might get killed, places where they might get raped, and the challenges of that. But also when they do access services, services here, they face racism. They get told, well, I'm just all black men violent, for example. How does that help? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. People have said that. A police officer actually said that to me in my experience. When I went to report my ex-partner who had assaulted me, they said, aren't all black men just violent? I go, actually, no. But you won't say that to a white woman. I bet you $1,000 you would not say that to a white woman. You will not. So what does that have to do with this conversation? You're racially profiling me already. How do I feel safe to then tell you what's happened to me and depend on this system to protect me when you're racist? So we see these challenges. So my passion is working with our communities and our service providers in providing safety and culturally appropriate responses. Going to violence, it's a horrible experience, whether it's a physical, emotional abuse, whether it's spiritual, your religion being used against you, whether it's financial abuse, having to show receipts to, for even buying a tampon, having to show receipts for even going to a dinner date with your girlfriends to prove you were where you were, having your phones tap, having somebody stalk you online, having little um, secret cameras put on your baby's back, back so you can be stalked. Oh, it gets worse. We see this emotional, financial, sexual, you know, cultural forms of abuse, technological forms of abuse. In 2020, with technology available, everything has been amplified. Abuse has been amplified. We are more connected than we have been. We're also more vulnerable than we have ever been because people can easily have access to us. So I work around that and it breaks my heart to live in a world where a woman going through violence is scared to reach out because she'll be judged. She'll be asked, what were you wearing? What does that have to do with anything? So it's a short skirt's fault, not the person who made a choice to go attack somebody. Because even if you wear a burqa, you can still get raped. We have nuns who get raped. What does the, what a woman wear have to do with anything? Or, you know, being online and having dick pics sent to you without consent. Oh, Buddy, I don't want to see your... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants that picture. You really should have done that all the favor, not taking it. Um, but we see that, that bombardment of pictures nobody wants, but that entitlement of, of doing that, harassing somebody, consistently messaging them, stalking them online. So, you know, just the discrimination and the harassment women and girls go to and wanting to ensure that, you know, I play my part, whether it's as an ambassador, as a survivor advocate in raising awareness and working with young girls in empowering them to speak up for themselves, to be strong and to be assertive, to be sassy. Be like, not today, motherfucker. Not today, sorry. <laughs> My number. No, thank you. Bye. You know, we want to raise our girls that way. Then we want to raise our boys to not be entitled, to not think they deserve attention or I bought you dinner so your old sex. doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Oh, you smile at me, so I thought you liked me. I smile at everyone. Everyone. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Thank you very much. Nothing. <laughs> you know, it's things like that. Raising our sons to not be entitled, raising them to understand consent. You don't go around 
feeling like you can touch people or treat them anyway and anyhow without consequences. Raising our daughters to be assertive, to know their power, to know they, they, to have body autonomy. Because you know what? Just deserve that. We deserve to live in a world free of violence. We deserve to live in a world free of harassment. We deserve to live in a world where we don't have to constantly question ourselves because society says we have to. So that's one of my areas of work. And of course, the other one, as you will know through looking me up, is FGM, which is a, such a brutal form of childhood abuse. And most people might go, well, what's this FGM? So FGM stands for female genital mutilation. It's when the female genitalia of little girls are cut off. So to be more blunt, it's when the clitoris of little girls is cut off in the name of cleanliness and in the name of keeping them pure and in the name of making sure they don't have sex with everyone else and they can be marriageable. That is it. So can you imagine that if we went around and cut off the penises of little boys so they'll be clean and pure? The world will have stopped by now. The world will have stopped by now but we do that to little girls 200 million little girls have gone through that and according to unicef with regards to covid we know another couple of more millions will be cut due to the restrictions and not having access to protection and support oh. that's how we live in a world like that we live in a world where a newborn baby who's innocent and cute and, and, and just wants to eat and drink breast milk and go to sleep, somebody would decide that their genitals actually need to be cut off. Oh. That is what FGM is. And it happens every 10 seconds. So I don't know how long we have been in the, on this call. Every 10 seconds, a girl is mutilated somewhere in the world, in the UK, in Australia. No, and you, I was because I watched your TED talk as well, Khadija. <laughs> Not stalking you, but I just. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'll make sure to share it as well. But when you said that it happens all over the world, and I know you talked about, um, you know, a four-year-old girl and your TED talk, and then another set of parents, and just the fact that it's happening, like it even happened to one girl, it's just absolutely, you know, heartbreaking. Like I just can't even comprehend it. So thank you for all the incredible work you are doing. And um, I was going to ask you at the end, but I think I'll ask you now. But I wanted to ask, like, what can, you know, we do people listening, like, do to, you know, support your work and stop FGM? Because I think that's the most important question we can ask. Yeah. I think first it's acknowledging that FGM is a form of human rights abuse. Um, and, you know, when it comes to child abuse of any kind, we as adults need to take ownership of the child abuse. Little kids can't protect themselves. They can't speak up for themselves. That four-year-old girl could not speak for herself. A newborn baby can't fight for herself. So I want all of us collectively to say, hey, if I see a child is at risk, if I think a child may be in danger, I have an obligation to fight for them and to do my part. I think that's the first step. The yeah. second step with FGM, I think, is that my TED Talk, you said they watch it, share it. Because I think... What is hard is that we need to hear more from survivors. We need to go straight to people who have lived experiences because there's power in that. You are amplifying my voice. You're also amplifying my message. So share it far and wide. I think that is such a simple thing to do. For those who live in the UK, you have amazing organizations that work around FGM. Daughters of Eve is a particular one. You have Nimco Ali who lives in the UK. You guys have great organizations. So I would say quickly look up FGM in the UK. You will have four or five options of organization that will come up that you can support and definitely I would say reach out 
fun ways for them. Share about FGM on your social medias. You know, I have a lot of posts on my social media. You can just easily repost, share the chat talk, and start conversations in your family. Because you see, my key message about my life all the time saying, we are all change makers. Mm -hmm. So when at the age of 13, I looked my mom in the eye and said, this stops with me, I meant it. Yeah. And this is somebody who had a roof over my head and fed me. It was a very dangerous conversation <laughs> to have when she fed me. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I still stand to her. <laughs> far away, I did stand far away, out of reach from her hand. <laughs> um, this stops with me. It ends with me because even at that age, I knew the power of my voice. I knew the power of taking a stand. So we can all take a stand against all forms of injustices by speaking up and calling it out. So have a conversation with your family about FGM. Say, hey, do you know this happens to little girls? Because they're girls. Do you know this is a form of gender-based violence? That somebody decides that girls don't, should not have pleasure, that the clitoris is dirty that girls should not have control over their body. Let's talk about that as part of a modern society. We're still telling girls what to wear. We're still slut shaming girls. We still have the gender pay gap. This is all actually part of one conversation. Yeah. It is all one conversation. So I say, if you can do that, follow me, share my work by all means. And at the moment, I have just started a foundation called the Desert Flower Foundation and Center in Adelaide. It's wow. going to offer treatment and, and trauma counseling and support for the 200,000 women and girls who have been caught in Australia. Wow. This is my baby, it's my heart, because all I want is to give back a little power mm -hmm. and to give a little dignity back to the women ooh, who have gone through this, who are my sisters, and I stand in solidarity with them because I think everyone deserves to live a life where they have dignity and that, and, and feel empowered. So our power was taken away from us at a young age when we, we couldn't fight back. But now as an adult, I can provide support and I can be, um, I can make sure they're no more lead to Khadijas. That's, so you can join me in that. Amazing. We'll make sure to share all that. I think that's incredible. because I think that's a really good point because I think we saw with the Black Lives Matter movement, didn't we as well? Like there was this yes. kind of, attitude that like oh i'm not racist or you know i'm not involved with you know fgm or i'm not you know sexist so like people think oh i don't have to do anything but it's the fact like no you actually have to be if you are actually you know not racist not sexist etc you need to act on that and you know encourage others not to be as well so i think that's a really good message for you so thanks so much for that um so I guess carrying on the conversation towards action. So the final two questions, we've talked about, you know, incredible examples of your work and we really wanted to focus on, you know, what can we all do? So the first question was, what, I guess, as, as an activist yourself, what do you think, you know, the fashion industry can be doing to create a more inclusive industry? Um, so it'd be great to hear what you think. Yeah, I think to be honest with you, it's, it's not even hard what needs to be done. The industry needs to acknowledge that, you know, they can't make products for just one type of people. We have defaults. So our default is we have male is a default. We have race, so whiteness is a default. Ability, so straight people and people who are not disabled are the default. We have to challenge that every step of the way. The fashion industry needs to be inclusive of all body types, all people. So we see this differentiation of standard size and plus size. Why do we have that? Mm. What, what, what do you mean, what's plus size? 
-hmm. Isn't it just a sign? Like in that already, you are creating a separation. You are saying you are not normal. That's what you're actually saying. Yeah. This is the normal here. But actually, no, no, no. All sizes are normal. Women come in all shapes and sizes. So they're normal because they are. <laughs> that's what we come in. So I would love to see more inclusive even language of we label clothes and a standardized sizing. Have you gone to one shop and you're skinny bitch and you go to another shop and you think you're Oompa Loompa? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vanity sizing, isn't it? <laughs> in one store, you're like, oh, mama. Maybe mama has lost, have I lost weight? I don't think I've lost weight. Ooh. And then I go to another shop. What? <laughs> Nothing changed. The same body went from that shop to that shop. Yeah. We don't have standardized sizing. So yeah. everybody, every man gets to choose how they play with their sizes. And it's fucked. It is actually gaslighting. You're gaslighting us. You're gaslighting. You're having us question our reality. Our bodies haven't changed. It's the sizing that has changed. A size six in one shop, <laughs> it's a size 10 in another shop. A size 12 in this shop, it's messed up. And I think it creates, you know, and it contributes to body image issues for younger girls and even adults. It definitely does. I would love to see more standardized sizing across the board. It should not matter which store we go to. We should know what to expect. We should know that, you know, the sizing should not change. My body can change, but let the sizing stay the same. So then I'm able to have a reasonable expectation of what I'm going to wear. And don't get me started on size inclusivity. Some stores still stay, stop at extra large. Okay. We're just going to stop at 12. Really? Just 12? Just an abstract number? What about 14, 16? Okay. What if I have big ass, you know? We're not seeing inclusivity. So you have only certain brands who have a full range. You have certain brands who have not. So which means, like I said, for the curvier girl with ample, generous, you know, bits and lumps and humps going on, which is all gorgeous as it should be, yeah. get the trendy fashion. Can't get the, 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 you know, what's in the now. It's the frumpy clothing that we still get. I think that's unacceptable. So standardized sizing, definitely diversity and inclusion of all sizes, a more broader range of sizing, I think will be great. Um, it would be great to see different abilities. People with disabilities, I don't know about you, but I hardly see it. I hardly see disabilities in the fashion world. Why is that? We live in a world where, we, what, how many people, one in so many has a disability? Yeah. Don't disabled people wear clothes? Don't they like fashion? Don't they wear makeup? So where are they in this? Where are they? Why are they not represented? And that is a deliberate action. So people are choosing. Brands choose to exclude. It's actually not accidental to exclude somebody. You have to actually choose to exclude them. It's not accidental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when I don't want to talk to somebody, it's not accidental. My, I'm not picking up the call. I see the call. I go ahead and talking to you. That's a choice. <laughs> No, the same. I'm making clothes. I ain't making them for you. That's the truth. Clear, not accidental. So I would love to see that. And oh, of course, one of my favorite things, I would love to have colors redefined. The nude fi fiasco. What is nude? nude yeah. What is nude? It's still beige. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I wear nude, I'm a ghost. That is not nude. <laughs> It is not my nude. 
might be somebody else's nude. It's not my nude. And we see this nude issue with lipsticks. And if I wear it, I think my son will be like, I disown you. Get your life together. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) He told somebody the other day, an auntie who promised him a gift. Auntie, get your life together. Oh my God. Needed was my life came to me. (laughs) Not sent the, pro- the present as promise and he had words for her <laughs> so if i was wearing whatever the fashion industry considers nude i think he would tell me to get my life together and then i would have to tell him to tell the fashion industry to get their life together it's actually not my fault <laughs> we just want to see more diversity of range of colors ballerinas are still not having full range I, you see that every couple of weeks it's an article about ballerinas still not having nude nude we want to see more inclusive nude if it's not that complex i want to have nice beautiful nude and i know mac actually has a great one but you know let's have options once again give give us options stop giving us one thing and then we have to fight and that's all we have we want options so i think that actually will be really great and oh one of my other favorites can we see older people oh yeah all the people, do they stop wearing clothes? Are they walking around naked? Last I checked, they wear clothes. Yeah, definitely do. They still say, they still want to get a rock on. They still want to have, you know, pizzazz. I don't know about you. I'm going to be 60 and be like, they ain't ready for me. No doubt. You know what I mean? We don't see age diversity. We don't see it. We don't see people with gray hair. We're not inclusive of that demographic once again. And I think probably to end, I would say I would love to see more diversity behind the scenes. Yeah. So we know we don't see enough diversity on the, the, the scene. I mean, just at the front with models. And even if they were, you know, they were people of color, what we know is that people will still go for the light black people, not the dark black people. Even that's an issue. It's like, well, they're light enough. We'll just have them. It's like, well, give us all black people. Shall we? Like a whole range. But I would like to see diversity behind the scenes. Because yeah. I think that's also about investment. Mm-hmm. that's about representation it's actually seen value in the work that people of color people who are diverse of diverse abilities have in hiring us behind the scenes not just at the front but behind and i think that doesn't get talked about enough behind the scene yeah so yeah. that would really be great yeah gosh that's that's absolutely i think you've sold the fashion industry there <laughs> definitely because i know like the reason why we do like what we do is because I remember when I was you know growing up and I was trying on you know clothing like I used to go shopping with my friends and with Laura and I used to try on stuff and my friends used to say oh gosh I wish I was taller or you know I wish I was slimmer or you know wanting to change stuff about themselves because they didn't fit into clothing and I was like I don't understand how we're all different all different shapes and sizes you know ethnicities disabilities like why are we feeling like you said rubbish about ourselves because we don't fit into clothing when it's something that someone else has made to make you feel like that and I was like, why is is the fashion industry like that? I think that's so oh, it's so true, isn't it? And um, like said, behind the scenes as well, I think that's so important because we're not going to have inclusivity if you know it's not at every part of the industry the people you know making decisions behind the scenes the photographers and as well we were saying the other day because obviously with like fashion week going on, was it Milan Fashion Week with Versace? Was it? Um, is it London? Oh yeah, well yeah. one of the fashion weeks for Saatchi had a plus size black model and that was like, you know, breaking news which obviously great to see diversity and inclusion but why are we celebrating just one model out of the whole fashion week? Like, Thank you. 
you know what I mean? It just didn't make any sense. I was like, why are we celebrating that? It's just crazy that that's the bear mean the mum. Why are we clapping for crumbs? Why are we clapping for crumbs? So true. And was it we were reading, I think it was it 2017, I think, mm. um, in the fashion week, so there was no disabled models, there was no trans models. Like, how is that accepted as like the norm? I don't understand how that hasn't been challenged. So I think that's such a good point, like you yeah. said, behind the scenes. So I think we should start calling out brands and I think we need to we need to start boycotting them. There is power and one of your questions was gonna be, I think, around what advice for consumers. Uh, yeah. Maybe I should go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> to tell you the answer to it. Uh, there is power as consumers, our cash. That's the power. Yeah. Where we choose to spend it is power. Calling out companies has never been easier with social media. You yeah. slide into DM. You'd go into the comment section and you tell them what you think. That's the point. We have that power. They actually have a responsibility to us. So let's not get it twisted. They're not doing us favors. It's money for them at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think if every consumer realizes the power in their money, they make choices that are right. Do your research about brands. When I go to a, a website, I, want, I read the about the brand side. I look at brands that give money to causes, for example, Mac is probably one of these. I've always loved them. How they give back. I'll spend the extra 20 for that giving back they do. I'll spend the extra 20 because they're pro-LGBTIQ plus A community. I'll give them the extra 20. So do your research because you have power in where you put your money. Don't go for the quick fashion and quick buy. Check yeah. where your money is going. Check how they're paying the people who make the products. You yeah. don't want to add to slavery. You don't want to add to the exploitation of other women and girls across the world. Check. Yeah. We have options now. So yeah. check and do your research. Use your money wisely. It's like a vote. Use it like your vote, voting system. So think carefully, who do I want to give my vote to? How, who do I want to support? You have a choice in that. When we start hurting brands where it counts, they will change. Mm -hmm. We see that. It works. It yeah. works. When you aim and shame them, when their stock value goes down, they will change their behavior. When we say we will not support transphobic, racist, misogynist brands, they will change. They will change. Let's give our money to those doing the right thing. Let's support local companies. Let's support that those who marginalized communities who are trying to, when Black Lives Matter happened, what did we say? Support black businesses. Support them. What's such a simple thing to do? Put money, invest in them at the end of the day. Then you're saying, I actually stand for something. Not just put a, a little black box. Put your money where your mouth is. And I think the other most important thing is the calling out. The calling out has to happen. You can't say you stand for anything if you don't hold people accountable including ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to go and DM a company, slide in the, in, in, on Instagram, in the comment section, say, hey, excuse me, I notice your timeline doesn't have diversity. Mm -hmm. It's easy. Or I notice at school, I can't see anyone with disability here. I, I, I haven't seen any trans people. Uh, hello, so simple. Look, we are Generation Y, we are the millennials. We are the people who run TikTok and, and got that Oompa Loompa orange president to have a whole event that was empty. We got power, okay? Yeah. We got power. I say start using it for less petty stuff and more things that actually matter. Because obviously, as a generation, we have shown we know how to kick ass when we want to kick ass. 
why don't we start doing that in a meaningful way, in a way that creates an inclusive and diverse society? Because to be honest, we're the ones who hurt. Mm-hmm. We are the ones who hurt when we don't fight this fight. If I don't fight the fight I do around gender equality and a world where everyone, regardless of race, sexuality, class, ability, is able to thrive, it's my son who suffers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all have a responsibility to contribute. So if every day you just take one action, it could be go under a brand's <laughs> Instagram and go give them your opinion. Don't be a Karen though. Don't be a Karen about it. Stick with the fact. Don't be a Karen. But stick with the fight and, and call them out and raise questions around their diversity and inclusion. The Instagram is an easy way to do that because you can clearly see the evidence or absence of it. Yeah. Such an easy thing. Pose a question. So then attack say, hey, I noticed a lack of. Yeah. Quite easy. If you do that once a day, that's your petty count <laughs> by one. Count for the <laughs> Get it out, you sister. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that's a really good challenge as well because I think did we mention on another viewpoint, Laura? I think mm. about gender equality and brands because I I see a lot of people talking about gender equality, but then they they're buying from brands like you said who have you know slave in the um supply chain and like are you know violence against women and girls in the supply chain. So I think that's a really good challenge to people to you know really think about that link between gender equality and you know. Um, certain brands as well so that's brilliant and then like I said um, go on social media and get, <laughs> get a bit petty um, and also like you said vote with money because I think with me and Laura having like um, a small fashion brand ourselves like, like you said no you don't tell me about it oh, tell no. me about it <laughs> sorry could you I thought I put it in the email so um I had the idea 10 years ago so that's what I talked about so I was 14 so we make dresses that have um, a hidden zip around the waist so it can have a different size top to bottom so you can have like a you know a 12 on top 16 on the bottom like over 90 percent of women are mm. a different size top to bottom and you can also like mix and match the tops and the skirts to create different combinations but it's really about you know celebrating that we're all different shapes and sizes and creating dresses that fit towards rather than feeling that we have to change ourselves to fit into dresses and um, but it has been a really long slog because we've yeah. having to find you know a factory who can offer any size um, yeah. and you know, finding people who share our values so it has taken a long time as a idea hasn't been done before so we're still very small but like you said it's just about you know following your values as you know we won't want to create a brand that wasn't Absolutely with our values not. so I think that's yeah perfect to kind of summarize. Oh, yeah. I love it I love it <laughs> no, I was, um, no I was just thinking like you said the, like you said voting with your money like that's what really supports businesses so I think we didn't really appreciate that until we kind of you know probably similar to you Khadija like before you started yeah. your company that yeah. you can like show your support so I think that's brilliant so Definitely. And we need to support more female entrepreneurs. That's also how we, we stand for gender equality. Support women brands. Support women's businesses. Give them your money. You're, you're creating that equality. When we don't do that, then, you know, we, we can't then say, oh, we don't have enough female entrepreneurs. Their businesses go bust because they're not supported. And, and female entrepreneurs are less likely to get investments because most of where the money is, is patriarchal. It's men, banks, men. So we can put our money, our dollar amount by supporting female businesses. That's another way of standing up for gender equality. Yeah. Yeah. 
perfect oh thank you so much Tanisha honestly I, you, like Laura said at the start oh. you can't help but feel inspired and empowered so thank you so much I'll make, to, make sure to share everything that you mentioned so people can yes. support and get involved and yeah just thank you so much thank it's you. honestly been amazing thank you <laughs> thank you for having me <laughs>